You have found the Redhead Family Therapy Guy and a Mike podcast, looking at mental health through a pop culture lens. All right, here we are for another podcast. You found us again, and today is a special, special day. Um, you found uh, the Redhead Family Therapy Guy and a Mike. And this is, I'm John. I'm Michael. And we have Odessa Candiani. Now, Odessa, you should feel really special. I mean, you're incredible and, and special, <laughs> but you're like our first like legit famous person. We've just had really cool, awesome people on that we love to interview, but you're like a famous person, which is really cool. So thank you so much for being gracious. Oh I'm gosh. totally taking advantage of our friendship. Odessa and I are friends and I'm totally, totally uh, exploiting uh, the friendship and relationship I have to get her on here. So how are you doing today, Odessa? Thanks for being with us. I am so well. Oh, my goodness. I think that, uh, you know, meeting you and your family has been one of the greatest gifts here oh, being in can. Tennessee and living in Clarksville because we have kids around the same ages. So there's somebody mm -hmm. that they can, you know, relate to and play with. Yeah, that's so that's nice. always really fun. Mm -hmm. There's people crushing on each how, other. How many kiddos do you have, Odessa? I <laughs> Seven. Whoa, seven. that's got to yes. be awesome. Yeah. It's, a, it's a busy house then always something going on it really is this morning um i was getting ready and my face was all puffy because the baby won't get out of the bed we are crying so bad we we're like you have to go we are just gonna get you anything a bag of chips at night i don't care take the ipad she won't stay in there so and her I, little rough her littlest one is so adorable too. Mimi is like the cutest little like two. I don't know if she's even two yet. She's like the just cutest yeah. little uh That's running awesome. around with with her. We were talking last night. Uh just now we're hanging out and the her hair is all chopped up. <laughs> Jasmine <laughs> Jasmine thought she was uh going to give her a little a hairdresser. Hairstyle. She knows uh, she knows I walked she's in. The, seventh child so she's like i can get away with whatever i want mom and dad are too i know tired to deal with it. well the thing is that the sixth did that to the seventh and the seventh doesn't know any better she's like do it. let's do it's it fine. let's cut it let's cut this hair let's get some let's get some, let's get some style going um all right uh Adessa, so i i gotta jump in i've got it i got a, i've got a good question so i've we've had your husband over we've talked a lot i, I know your background and stuff but i want to understand how the road goes from St. Croix, which is where you're from, to uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, with you know a role in the biggest blockbuster of a Disney movie in recent times. Like, how does that? How does that work? How does that look? Tell us about that. Well, road. you know, my parents they are both Colombians, so my mom is from Barranquilla, my dad is from Cartagena, and mm -hmm. one by one, my dad brought his family, you know, his sisters to the United States. So I was born in Florida because I actually moved to New oh, York okay. first and he was a welder. He did everything. He washed windows, floors, whatever he had to do to provide for his family. Mm. And uh, then I was born in Miami. We moved to the Virgin Islands. So I grew up between Miami, St. Croix, Virgin Islands and Houston, mm -hmm. Texas, because they are uh, holistic doctors and Seventh-day Adventists. So they would sing and then do, you know, the thing, the work that they do. I didn't know your origins were the Seventh-day Adventist. That's so cool. Yes, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. And the first record ever I recorded in a studio and released 
was a Christian album with my mom. Oh, so we fun. did a duet. Cool. Oh, that's really cool. Yes. Yes. I'm going to have to like, and... scour the internet for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Look, it's a tape. It wasn't even a CD. So awesome. you won't find it on the internet. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure you've got it in your archives. You're going to have to bring it over. My, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't. And then all of a sudden for my birthday last year, my mom was like, here. And she gave me the cassette. I was like, oh, no way. Oh, <laughs> digitize so it. <laughs> I so, know I should. So this year, so you're, epi- you know, we're taping this. It's going to air on actually on Valentine's Day. And so I can say this. Yay. I totally got my, I got Nicola. Um, I, I had someone write a song. Like they have these internet sites that you can oh, send in cool. like, like parts of your history. Something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, you know, I pay this money and uh, I got it last night after, uh, cause I actually watched Kento last night and then I, I got the song and uh yeah it's so it got it got me to the it got me in all the feels so i'm real excited <laughs> you, amazing you, what music you does. have a good friend that's a pro you could have got the hookup no i should have you i should have had went a online. My wife song. <laughs> <laughs> i know right? i got i got pulled in by the shark tank ad <laughs> google google hacked me again <laughs> so oh, tell, tell me odessa so where so then where is your husband from? Is he, was he also born in the United States or, or is he from somewhere no, else? No, he is Italian Mexican. He was oh, born cool. in Monterrey and cool. he was a producer. And that's how we met because the first group I ever was signed in was called ecstasy. And we were four girls mm-hmm. and uh, it was a girl group, kind of like TLC, but with four ecstasy of us. For the four girl ecstasy. Group. <laughs> Hollywood. Yes. Gotta love him. Gotta love Hollywood. <laughs> And uh, he was the producer of the group. And the way that I met was that my brother, who was also in the industry, and he had a record and everything. Uh, he's a rapper. He wanted to put this idea together. And so he told Gabriel, he's like, hey, I got a sister who could sing. And he was like, man, I don't want you to bring your sister because, you know, my my brother's a charming guy. But, you know, he's not like that easy on the eyes kind of guy. And so he's like, if he looks if she looks like you, I don't want her. You <laughs> he was me. Yeah. So, and then here walks in Odessa. She's like, well, the thing is, no, he never wanted to have a meeting with me. Oh, like he didn't wow. want it. So I didn't know this was going on. My brother came home one day and I was with him in his apartment and he was like, hey, I have this tape and I want you to just write a song on this beat that I got. And I was like, okay. So hey, this is old school. All right, only you guys get the exclusive. So I had oh, nice. one tape player. Right. With you heard it here deck. first on the Redhead Therapy. Oh yeah, like, double deck tape player. First, nobody's <laughs> ever heard this. I had it on one side, I would press record and I would push the tape on the other side because I had <laughs> double decker. And so I would sing into it. And that's how I recorded my vocals into yeah. the one I was praying, recording. Wow. And so I, I sang this song that I wrote. It was like, um, dedicame, tiempo, oh, oh, and I kind of sang it into that thing, and I was that's like, okay, so there's the song. It's like and early then, '90s mixing right here. Seriously, that's exactly. I bet what the it was. audio quality on that was magnificent. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish I could find that tape because I was like, oh, I would love to hear my very first performance <laughs> writing a song. <laughs> But then, uh, so he takes it over to the studio and then my husband, well, Gabriel in that Mm -hmm. time, not my husband, but he listened to, he's like, I love this girl, bring her in. He was like, that's my sister. (laughs) (laughs) He all snuck it in on the back door. That's awesome. And so then you were able to meet him for the first time. 
I was like dressed up in five, seven, nine. That store doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> I did buy myself a little three piece suit and uh, showed up there with my Dinner. little Dinner light recording blue three piece. I was know. It, was it love at first sight or did it take a little bit of uh, work? Oh, Heck no, he was so gorgeous. <laughs> that was intimidating. Wait, are we so on that? I want to just awesome. I want to just check in real quick. We're talking about the same guy, right? Like Gabe, I know oh, this yeah. guy, right? Oh I'm, yeah. And he had long hair. He had long straight hair and he would always oh, dress that's in black. Awesome. Gabe is fantastic like, too. His personality, his personality is unbelievable. Where just, where was this fantastic that you met? Him? Houston, Texas. Oh, in Texas. I met him okay. in Houston, Texas. Because that's where I was living at the time and going to school. And uh, I was actually in high school in Conroe, but um, I would go to Houston a lot and stay with my brother because everything was happening in Houston, Texas. The so other thing about, then, the, oh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, go ahead, something. go ahead. No, I was gonna say the thing about Gabe too is like he can just tickle the keys like nobody, man. Like I can rock a piano. <laughs> sorry, you That's keep going cool. with your story, I apologize. He can't, and he actually doesn't read music. He oh, just does it neat. out of inspiration. So whenever he does things for Warner Chapel, because he's a producer for Warner Brothers, mm -hmm. um, they have to have somebody like write out his stuff because he's like, okay, there it is. There's a creation. Now you put it be an in the app paper. for that. Isn't there like an app for yeah, that? Yeah, now play? there is. Back then they would have to hire a composer. And he there was weren't like, apps when there were tape players, John. <laughs> I know. All right. Yeah, back in the day. <clears throat> so that's how I got into the girl group. And I was classically trained because I took opera in school. So I was like, oh. so I tried out and then he's like, you got a great voice, but we're going to take that. And we're going to put it in the shelf and we're going to learn how to sing pop music. So that's cool. So that's what he did. You mentioned your brother was recording. So then do, does all of your family sing or do you have some family members that don't really like that, the singing or that industry at all? Hmm. You know, everybody sings. And I, cool. it, since I was little, like my parents were really keen on making sure we either learned an instrument or we sang. So whoever did one... sing played piano. That's and you're cool. one of how many, Odessa? Well, from my mom and dad, we're two, my mm -hmm. sister and I. And then, but from my dad was married previously to marry my mom. So we're five, actually. Mm -hmm. So in total. Mm -hmm. And my half brother, Chuli, that's the one that uh, made it happen for me. Like he snuck that in there. And I'm forever grateful. Actually, the problem was once we started working together, and Gabriel was always really serious, like he is no joke. He, which it makes it even more attractive because it's like James Bond over there. You know, hi, I'm Gabriel Gandiani. You know, and uh, and I'm all like, eh, you know, uh, but I I snuck, I snuck I, I'm enough thinking, in there. I'm I'm thinking the story of how my wife and I fell in love is a little different from the story of how you and, and you and Gabe fell in love. <laughs> she wasn't. Really? She didn't. She wasn't love at first sight with you, John. She, I was. Yeah, I mean, when was. I saw her, I, I, she, maybe I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to upset her. She gets mad at how I tell the story, um, so oh, I don't boy. tell. I don't tell the story anymore. <laughs> I let her tell the story because she always gets mad at the way I tell it. But I don't quite think it was the same. No. <laughs> how How long, Odessa, was it? So you go and you record, uh, or, or you your your brother takes this tape in, this yes. cassette in. He listens. And, and Gabriel wants you to come in. How long is it before like the two of you date? Does it Oh, that did or? not happen. 
yeah, no, he was zero. I mean, I was interested, but no, <laughs> there was nothing of that. I mean, we finished recording the whole entire album. And then my brother was like, one day he was like, okay, so you don't need to come to the studio with me today. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I don't go. He's like, we're done. <laughs> and then I was like, I, I cannot not see him. Like, I can't. I oh, cannot live yeah. without him. And oh, I was boy. totally smitten. So, but that it took a few months after that, you know, before... I was like, I love you so much. I want to live with you forever. <laughs> That's awesome. Did but, you say that word for word? I kind of did. But he was like, <laughs> we, he didn't even want to hold hands. And I didn't understand it. I was all like, let's get busy. You know? <laughs> uh, very different. Very That's different. Awesome. But, you know, that that was the thing about him. There was always something about him. And I didn't understand what it was until we started getting into conversations about religion. And we started talking about like my beliefs being Seventh-day Adventist. And then he told me his, and he was uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And then we kind of started talking about it a little bit. And I was more and more interested. And then he was like, well, you know, if you're interested, I could just have a set of missionaries, you know, come over. (laughs) But he was never like pushy about religion or anything. But I I felt like it was part of why his character was so cool. Because he was just like, we won't even hold hands. And I was like, what? Which isn't a yeah. typical Church of Jesus Christ letter, same thing. Let's, you know. Yeah, you're allowed to hold hands. But. <laughs> yeah, no, he was pretty strict. And, uh, but uh, once, once it was formal, oh, yeah. Then it was on. Then it was on. Oh, there's That's no stopping up. me. There was no stopping. How do you get to seven kids? <laughs> it's love, baby. Yes, this is that true. Is fantastic, Odessa. So you well, ha- so then from there, have you kind of always been uh, in in I guess the music industry? Because because you get to um Encanto and that's a movie I mean there is singing I mean there's a tons of beautiful singing in it yeah but it's a movie so so then have you done other like I don't know if there's a difference music industry oh yeah movie is it just movie movie or television industry or something I'm not really sure there is huge difference because I started off wanting to just do like pop and pop music and stuff like that. Uh, I got signed to a record label uh, after many years of selling my CDs out of my backpack. Mm. I mean, we hit the ground. We toured in Mexico doing stages. And then when I felt like, okay, I'm ready. And Gabriel was like, okay, now you're ready to like dominate the stage and be an artist. Uh, We went to Florida and then I got signed by Universal Latino as a reggaeton artist. But because of the fact that I grew up between you know, Texas and Miami and then the Virgin Islands, my music was just this like mirage of like a whole bunch of dynamic music. So I would have like a reggaeton, but then I would have like a pop song and I do it in English or I have a bachata and my label believed in me. I was so forever like grateful. I'm grateful to them. Walter Com, which is Maluma's manager, which happens to be the heartthrob in Encanto. Uh, he hilarious. did it. Like he believed in me. I That's mean, cool. being Afro Latina and, and speaking fortuitous. English and Spanish. Woof. How fortuitous yes. that he was your uh, love interest, and in, you know. Uh... It's, I didn't know. I really did not know until 
probably like three weeks before they made like formal announcements. That's cool. Like, hey, by the way, he's in this project because I had asked, but they keep everything so tight knit. They don't let you know oh, who really? anybody is. So I didn't even know oh, who wow. the other actors were until they made the Crazy. formal announcement. I was like, oh, oh really? Wild. She's in this and he's in this. <laughs> what? So like, was in this? Oh, my I, goodness. So I have a quick question. Um, mm -hmm. I. I imagine, I, I mean, I have all types of uh, things that I think about, but I don't know that any of them are correct. So you mentioned selling CDs out of your, your trunk and, and touring um, really all over, uh, sounds like a couple of countries. But my question is, like, is, are you earning a living doing that? Or is it oh, yeah. really tough work? Like how, how hard is oh. it to do that? Well, consider yourself a vocal athlete. That's what mm -hmm. you have to do because it takes a certain amount of mindset and then doing it while having kids because I had my first child when I was, you know, still in my teens going into my 20s. So touring and having a family and keeping up with your vocal performance, your yeah. shape, because you have to be because it's an athletic, almost like an athletic sport with a microphone. Sure. Hand. You got to jump, you got to scream, hey, I'm a people doing in the back how my ladies oh you know all of that and then doing it the way that we did it we were booked you know three to four times a week doing wow. two-hour shows wow. and that's no joke with a full you know 10-piece band and background vocalists and everything and learning choreographies so I really learned how to hone in on my skills and what works what doesn't how to keep my diet and it is hard work but yes you're making a living because if you're good at what you do and you make sure you're pleasing the client which is in mm -hmm. this case everybody who's showing up to have a good time then you get booked and you get paid and when i did tour after getting signed that was with pitbull and i got to tour with daddy yankee and then and, and tour with sierra in japan and, and it was just an amazing experience because the difference between doing it when you're starting out and then doing it as an artist is just the mm -hmm. level that you're in you know just yeah. the way that people perceive you and then the the gigs and the money is different but then that's when you fall into the, when the music industry started changing, because I was in the reggaeton industry. So like, I wasn't exactly like PG, you know, at that time, <laughs> I would, I would push the bar, but it sure. came a point that I had to see that line that I was stepping into and I go, you know what? I can't, I cannot go past this. Like I, I cannot compromise my principles mm. for wanting to achieve a goal or get to a certain um, place that I feel is where everybody else is. And that's when I took a step back. And then my husband and I started dedicating ourselves a lot more to music for film and TV. And we placed things in like NBC, CBS, Gabriel has like over 6,000 placements. I got another, like probably a thousand placements. And uh, that gave us the opportunity to have more kids. <laughs> what, what do you well, think yeah, fit the kids. was like the biggest or the hardest um, obstacle or barrier or trial for you throughout that time period where you're traveling all the time, you have family, uh, you know, kiddos. And, and, and I'm wondering what was the biggest trial or maybe it was even taking a step back was really difficult, but I'm wondering what was the biggest barrier for you trial or hardship throughout that period of time? I think it happens to any working mom. It's the guilt. Mm, you cannot definitely. be in two places at one time. Mm. That really hits hard to any working parent because you want to be there for your family at 100% and 100% yeah. of the time. But then you need to also provide for your family and live your dreams. Because a lot of people think I'm getting married 
Now it's all about the kids and forget about me. I'm not going to work out or whatever. I'm dedicated to this little child. But you know what? Mm -hmm. That child's going to grow up. And if you forget who you are, by the time that kid grows up and 20 years later, you're like, who was I? Like, if I'm not cooking, cleaning and tending after a kid, I don't know who I am anymore. So Mm -hmm. I had to evaluate that there are things that are not going to be at 100%. Like I had to know, you know, yeah, there's going to be things that a kid's going to resent me for because I cannot be there 100% of the time. And I have to accept that, like therapeutically accept that. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing. Is that, so then is that kind of, and my question was going to be, what did you do to, to manage that guilt or that shame of feeling like, you, you aren't there enough at times. Was it really just that self-talk or that, that self-rhetoric of, of, you know, this is, uh, I'm doing what I can, I'm doing as much as I can, and I can only do so much. Or, or were there other things that you noticed that really seemed to help you to manage that? Cause I think that's very common amongst all mothers, regardless of, of what they, they may be doing inside, outside the house. It's about quality and not necessarily quantity. So whenever I was there and I didn't go out and tour a lot, I really wouldn't once, you know, my kid um, was about three, four years old, we were down to maybe one time a month. But when we went, you know, it was Mm -hmm. three days of intensity. Like, so I had to understand that when I'm there, I am there. I was like on her, I was doing homework. I was doing whatever, being in activities, all, it was 100%. I did not live that whole 50-50, I got one foot in, one foot out, or I'm too tired to do this with you, but I'm around you. Like, okay, I'm around you. I'll take a nap on the sofa. We'll call it hanging <laughs> out. Like, no, I made sure that I was there. and uh, But I still have to accept that a kid never really understands until they grow up, have a job, sure. and then they go, Oh, so bills don't just get paid because you want them to. <laughs> That'd be awesome yeah. if it worked that way. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, I have this bill. Let me just rub it on my forehead and it's paid. Like... So along this idea of family, um, Odessa, I'm curious, um, you know, with the movie Encanto, what what did the movie get right um, in regards to Colombian, South American culture or Latino culture? that resonates for you from the family you came from or your family that you have with, uh, with Gabe, with the seven kids. Um, what does it get right? What is, what, what is Everything. the thing? Or what do you, what do you identify with then? Um, um, from- the chaos of, of a kid feeling like he doesn't fit in like mm. Mirabelle, like she doesn't have a mm-hmm. gift to share that happens in a family. The kid that looks at the other one and goes, Oh my gosh, she's so perfect. They're, Oh, that one's so strong. Or you're so good at school. And I like, what's my gift? Like, I don't know what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. I've had that, you know, my eight year old would tell me that because our 12 year old Raquel, she is an incredible drawer and she started off doing anime and now her drawing has gone amazing. And she's been drawing for five years, but that's been like, like almost the whole life of the other one. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so she wants to be good at something. And then all of a sudden she gets cast in this movie And now there's a little bit of that sisterly friction because now she got cast in something, which was Encanto. She's one of the town kids. And so now the 12-year-old is like, 
well, why didn't I get that? I'm like, well, because you're not eight, because she was eight. Like, <laughs> you know, it was a specific age group. And uh, so now she found her thing. But, it, you know, now she's so happy that she has a thing. But at That's first, great. like, it was hard for her. But I see it in the food. I see it in the traditions. The way that the grandma is, is exactly like my grandma. So, yeah, is that is that a good representation of matriarchal order that exists in Latino South American cultures? I think for women in the culture um, and Latino culture that come from that background of you don't understand what their hardship was really like. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, one generation back, like my mother didn't have to go through the trials of my grandmother back mm -hmm. when my grandmother was little being Afro Latina was not the greatest and most, you know, awesomest thing. And the opportunities for an Afro Latino were not there. So even though the, you would see a telenovela, you know, soap opera or a show, people of color were background dancers. They were never principal characters. Um, they would be like the nannies or supporting cast member or whatever, but never mm -hmm. sitting at the table. Like I wish my grandmother would be alive to see the progress and see all the opportunities that are now available for so many people That's of cool. different race and color that weren't available when she was younger. But that also like made her a little harder in her heart like she never really smiled my grandma not really wow. she had like this fake smile hmm. but, but that's as far as the we got stoic. like ice yeah like but now i that really resonates because yeah because the grandma in, in the show uh is is really she's really stoic she's really you know there's definitely love and and we know that she you know she loves the family but there is definitely that sense of that distance or wall or expectation that she creates for the whole cast of well, characters. So, oh, I'm sorry. Can I jump in one, one other one quick one, Mike? So, um, so I'm really curious, right? Because, you know, you're getting a lot of attention. You're gorgeous. You have an incredible voice. So people could say, you know, Odessa is a, it has a gift. She has been anointed like the characters, the characters of the story. But I wonder if you also still, and maybe it would be useful, you know, you know, meaningful for people to hear that you can still relate deeply to Maribel, these other characters. In what oh, way is I, that, is that ring not... true for you as well? <laughs> Absolutely. I was the ugly duckling growing up. I did not come into myself very easy. My sister was Isabella growing up, and I was the one that didn't have boobs at 14. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was growing teeth. I was still growing teeth when I was 17, like a kid. Like I was still growing one. So it, I was very, so I was funny because that's what I had. And I loved music and I was so passionate about it. The first thing I ever wanted to do was actually do something with Disney. That was like my dream since I was a kid uh, because cool I was a realist. Cool. I was like, Congratulations. I, am, I don't so come cool. for money. Thank you. Or anything like that. So I thought I could be like an extra in Disney or like hand out pamphlets or something. And then maybe I could be a background singer. Cause when Pocahontas came out, I was like brown characters. That's me. You know, <laughs> it was so gay. <laughs> Um, but no, singing did not come like just nothing. I did start singing with my mom in church, but honing in on your skill and working on my tone of voice and really understanding my craft, it took years. It wasn't mm -hmm. like, oh, this is just happens to be your gift. No, I like worked for it very mm -hmm. much. I still work on it because anything you don't work on, even like your talent or your body or whatever, give it three weeks. It's like, you're like, True. what? I was oh, running a mile. Why can't I can't even go to the door without being like, you know? 
So it's not as easy as having a ceremony and, and going up to a door. It takes takes a little more work than that. <laughs> yes. And even if you notice within the family, just because they had gifts didn't mean they didn't have adversity or feel like mm-hmm. they Absolutely. had so yeah. much burden within yeah. them. Like Luisa, I love Luisa's character. And Jessica Darrow brought the house down with it because mm-hmm. she's so strong, but sometimes she cries and she feels like if she's not of service, she's worthless. I mean, oh, she says yeah. it. It's her like a testimony is, to feeling yeah, weak. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, that was the first mm-hmm. big get me moment during her song that I was just like, you know, I understand, you know, as a female character, but I'm like, dude, like having this opportunity, you know, having this expectation to fix everything, to hold everything up, uh, to take care of everything and to, you know, to be there well, for I everyone. Think- like it really hit me to the core. For me, that's a beautiful illustration and really one of the first illustrations we get of how generational trauma works in a family where, and for me, we have grandma who, who you just see, there's so much pain there and, and her, her desire to love and protect is really magnified by her trauma, by the experiences she's had. And her desire to love is so strong that that trauma really turns it into, like you mentioned earlier, the stoicism, this um, real kind of directness and protective factor that I think creates for for each of them this pressure that they need to be something because they care, right? And we do. We love our parents. We love our grandparents and we want to appease them. But for her, it's a really just a fascinating story to see how grandma's trauma and pain and her desire to love um, really uh, came out, not, I don't think, yeah. how she intended it to, and created oh, consequences. Yeah. Well, because she absolutely she thinks didn't mean she's, to. Well, she absolutely thinks she's created, I mean, you know, the yeah. wall is up. She's created this safe nest because mm-hmm. of the trauma that they've come from. And it's really interesting how... Um, our traumatic experiences make us incredibly strong and able, but then simultaneously there's an, a, a crack or a weakness or trauma that can come out of that. Cause there's no intended trauma from grandma in the mm-hmm. story. Um, but for sure, you know, I mean, when you look at, you know, the black sheep and, you know, uh, all of the angst, all of the trauma gets kind of projected onto Bruno and Marabella, you know, Bruno, because he prophesied of, of yeah. a fall of a potential fall around Marabella. And so, you know, he, you know, he becomes responsible for that and is, you know, kind of exiled or has to, you know, um, go into hiding or whatever, which was that other part, the other part that really hit me to the core was that table draw like set up on the other side of the wall i was just like yeah oh, where he has dude. his place yeah, setting like, there he's, and he can look through the wall and, mm. and i still love my family and it was just so gosh that just got me you know here he is isolated but wanting to connect it's just oh it's so well, kind it, of profound. it makes me think how often in life does does our desire to love and protect get skewed by mm-hmm. by traumas that we've experienced and really then ends up hurting us more right that desire to love and to to do what we think is the right thing i think so many times where i've worked with people who have thoughts of it'd be better if i just weren't here mm-hmm. you know i yeah. i'm just a burden on my family and mm-hmm. and that's you know it's just not true right the no, no. the family wants them there wants them to be connected and yet it's it's that 
<clears throat> that pain, that shame that's so deep that that we just can't see it. And we all experience yeah. that to some degree in our lives. Well, and I, I think, think this movie is beautiful in that and just illustrating all these different pains mm-hmm. that we have, despite yeah. all these beautiful things, right, that they can do. Yeah. Incredible, magical such things that they've been pain. anointed to do. Yeah, it's so interesting because really, you know, grandma's exile of bruno and you know distance or or perceived disdain towards marabella is really her fear that the magic and grace is running out and like what is that going to mean right because there's all this angst about i forget the name of the little boy that becomes the antonio antonio that becomes the the animal speaker or whatever so there's all this worry right um and well the thing is this the bruno was shunned or shunned himself from the family because the grandma was really scared. You know, yeah. she's trying to protect her family the whole time. All she's trying to do is keep them safe yeah. and keep the magic safe. And every time a child gets a gift, oh, she feels so much like more calm, but yeah. she's Sustained. noticing something is happening. Yeah. And Mirabel wants to help, but she notices that every time Mirabel gets involved, something goes crazy. Yeah. Like when Isabella is doing all of that, you know, oh, and they're running around, what else can I do? And she's yeah. getting dirty when she's supposed to be perfect. You're like, what are you doing? You know, you're right. wanting Look at, it's because of you. Everything's breaking apart. And the reality is the love was breaking. The love was breaking yeah. because the pressure was getting so immense for every mm-hmm. single character that they felt well, they couldn't live themselves being well, authentic. And there was a break in the family. I mean, with Bruno not there, there was a break in the family. And there was this impending break with Mar- Marabella, which, you know, Marabella's superpower um, is, is her, uh, well, I see it as her courage to go after the secret right to to try to understand and to really be you know the the result of the love of the family right she's this wonderful mother i love the, that's another one the mother her mother's gift of healing through food oh my gosh i just, <laughs> I just love everything about that metaphor huh. and so she you know she has love she has secure attachment so she's not afraid to investigate the dark secrets and to understand and to she sees a crack coming also and she wants to do something about it right and that's a real superpower to have the courage to confront the family culture of like we don't talk about things we don't talk about bruno we don't talk about what's happened oh, there's you know so I mean? much of that like, in my family, there were stories that I never could get to the bottom Isn't that of. Crazy? Like they're still part of our past that my grandmother kept under tight rope. I don't know it. Like wow. nobody talks about it. And there are wow. individuals in my family that are the Brunos. And we just don't talk about it. And we just like disregard it. Don't go there. Like never ask. And I've asked my mom and she won't go there. So and I, I and I it love is cultural almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's family. And I love that the healing comes like there's a big crack that happens. The house falls down and breaks apart. But the healing comes because that that unknown uh, is Marabella pushes into that unknown. Right. And so. But you know what? I think that even the town people, they got comfortable Mm -hmm. knowing, oh, they can fix my house. They can. Hey, the donkeys got out again. Like they were getting a little lazy. And when everything crumbles, even the town itself. Mm-hmm. Even the town says, you know, we may, we don't have gifts, you know, we don't have powers, but we are many and mm-hmm. we'll do anything for you. They yeah, finally said, you know, you've done so much for us. 
it's time for them to step two and, and step up to the plate and help the family rebuild. And even though it's not perfect, like the grandma says, we'll get by, you know, well, it's, it's going to be fine. I thought and that her- was a really interesting point. Also, that says kind of this, we get this idea of this enabling factor yeah. Where, yeah. where they're really enabling the town. And I thought that was interesting. And it jumped out mm-hmm. to me earlier on when this, the strong, lady what was yeah louisa louisa Louisa. when louisa was going through the town helping and they're just asking her constantly right can you redirect the river exactly (laughs) and i just thought my houses (laughs) there's a lot and i'm just curious as to both of your thoughts as to um kind of what and you kind of already uh, alluded to this a little bit adessa but what was the enabling aspect brought into the film for like what was the intent or or what do you think we're supposed to to get out of that i think that all of us have that situation going on in our homes i think sometimes we enable our kids by not kicking them out of the nest soon Mm. enough you know and they get comfortable they're like oh mom and dad are gonna pay my bills and i'm fine and everything's good (laughs) and sometimes they're gonna be like hey (laughs) clock clock is ticking either you pay pay rent or you need to Uh go and start your life so sometimes even those enabling moments happen within the family or those moments um, where you put up with that yeah well well how can they not because you know the problem is is like little kids when they come out like they're useless you know they're little squishy animals that will die if you leave them alone anywhere for more than five minutes right so they (laughs) require that and the challenge is is to manage the growth and to appropriately give them the opportunity but we want to protect them we don't want them to be hurt but they they need to right because they need to wander into territory that they're not capable of managing so they learn to manage the capability and so it's it's such a difficult it's such a difficult balance as a parent yeah as parents i think that we have this innate ability to see our child uh, five years 10 years younger than they actually are yes and that that makes it really really tough and that those enabling behaviors come out constantly don't they as as parents (laughs) but it's just like when a kid learns to walk you need to not be like okay i'm gonna bubble wrap you or don't ever right like i know you're gonna fall you're gonna get hurt you have to watch them so bust your face growing you have yeah. to keep your almost keep your hands to yourself. I remember when I was right. teaching my uh, 23 year old how to drive. I did the worst thing a parent could do. You guys are ready for this? <laughs> you bought her <laughs> a Tesla. The car was leaning. Oh, no. I, no, we bought her. It was a Mini Cooper. That Mini Cooper oh, cool. got into Love an accident. It was like a week. That sucker was already bumped. Yeah, those are But um, she was driving in the car, and then she her, the car started leaning, and I grabbed the steering wheel. <laughs> I grabbed it. And she was like, Good idea. I, but I was like, you know what? I can't, I should not do that. Like if we're going to crash, we just got to crash into the mailbox because so she needs to learn when, to correct. When, when I drive with the kids, so we, we have a daughter that's about to get her. She's going to be testing a couple of weeks. When I drive with the kids, I purposely look at my phone. Like, you know, I mean, she's past, she's past the first, you know, the first time or two out, right? Like you have to be like, okay, slow down. Okay. You got, but like, you know, we're past the, you know, the first 10 times or whatever. Right. So now I just, I just look at my phone. I just don't even, I try to give her. I have to keep my hands like, I have to keep my hands like this and in between my legs. Like, don't look, don't look. So I want to jump back to this idea because I think it's, it's really beautifully manifested in the movie of the relationship between family and community, right? The the fact that the community counts on the family 
um, and the and you know this particular family because of all its talents and gift. But I love that as things broke down, that the community came and helped the family. I think the interplay yeah. between yeah. those two things, I've really felt that. I've really felt that, you know, I, I think the family is the basic unit. Uh, I think the marriage is the basic unit and the family is the basic unit society that we want those things. That's why I became a marriage and family therapist. Um, but the family absolutely, or my family has, or my relationship has absolutely needed the supportive communities and, and other people at different times. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just such yes. an important interplay. And I really think that the movie did a fantastic job of, of honoring and, and, uh, and, and pointing yeah. that out for sure. And you know what, now in a date and time where, families don't look the same you know mm -hmm. that there may be no father maybe no mother mm -hmm. maybe the yeah, kids absolutely. are growing up with the grandparents community is everything and helping that balance happen again because mm -hmm. things get tilted you know when there's a parent missing and in this case the grandmother felt so much pressure on her shoulders and even mirabella at one the point protect, was like your yeah. it's your fault it's your fault and until she mm -hmm. finally allowed herself the vulnerability of telling her story in this song because it didn't actually happen vocally she finally sat with mirabel when they were there at the water and then dos oruguitas mm, comes in which has me. been nominated for the oscar because it's an incredible song yeah, and we, okay. while that you, song is playing can I, you're can just I like in? waterworks oh i totally and can you i i didn't can you tell me what the translation is of the melody of that song? Do you know the words well enough to know what the melody so is? So it says, dos oruguitas. Oruguitas are kind of, cat they're like caterpillars. Yeah. So they're oh, saying, right. dos oruguitas the enamoradas. Mm -hmm. So they're in love. You know, they, they spend their nights and their mornings like dreaming of what's to come, you know, and looking forward to all this beautiful future. But then as they're telling the story of it and they become butterflies, things don't quite work out the way mm. that they're looking for. And that, yeah, they're waiting for this miracle to happen. And so at the end of the song, it says, Ay, oruguitas, no se aguanten más, hay que crecer. They have to grow. They have to leave and become oh. something else. Oh. And that's how they have to move forward, evolving mm. with what is happening. So it talks about they're evolving. Everything has to change and look forward to a different and a new future. Otro yeah. futuro. So they oh, had okay. to accept that what it was when they were caterpillars, when it was just her and her husband and the three beautiful kids, it changed dramatically. Uh, like a, yeah, like the, the changes came. between a caterpillar and a butterfly. Yeah. And so yeah. when she finally allows herself to open her heart and tell Mirabel, mm -hmm. and then she understood then Mirabel was like, no, you're not the bad guy. You know, like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I never knew it. And it's because of the secrets. And sometimes the secrets, instead of binding us together, they destroy. Because well, until we tell the, them. Those moments. Until yeah. When them. you yes. finally tell them, it becomes the glue that it, goes, so, I love you so much. I can't a, believe it. It's, it's so such a beautiful thing. Because oh, it it's, a gorgeous it's connection message. that heals, right? Mm -hmm. It's connection yes. with, that yes. heals. And secrets aren't about connection. They're wow. about distance. They're about like it's like sitting hiding. in a bowl as well, a rock you, and another rock have, and another rock. Yeah, well, you There's can't no ever unity. know me. 
-hmm. If you don't know my secret, if you don't know my pain, if you don't know what I've been through and how I felt, then how can you know me? Like, how does your love really penetrate me if you don't understand the darkness of my soul? Right. It's just, I mean, like, my then it's the fear. It's the fear of being shunned, of saying, I'm going to tell you. And then it happens. Right. It does happen. Right. Like, it's a reality that we can be shunned. Um, but usually I see that the shunning happens because of misunderstanding, you know what I mean? Or, or a lack of acknowledgement of if there's a deed that is is horrendous, um, of an acknowledgement of, and an ownership of that deed. But but yeah, it's the, the, it's such a, it's such a destructive for secrets and, and turning away. And it's such a beautiful moment. Michael and I were chatting before we, we hopped on and, and that moment that Maribel where Louisa is. Uh, singing her story mm. and then she just grabs her she just yeah. grabs her at the end right yeah. it's just beautiful because that's it it's like oh you sh- you told me your secret and i love you what are you talking about you're still strong and amazing and you do all these exactly things. so say i'm strong but sometimes i cry <laughs> so do i yeah. you know yeah, what i mean so they're beautiful. like yeah, it's okay it's okay yeah. to cry but oh, you that's... feel so sad and embarrassed almost because for being we... vulnerable well, and yeah. I think we all think that that we have to be something to be lovable, right? We have yes. to be this, oh. this person or this Im- image. But but the truth is we're lovable as we are. And I Absolutely. think that's what Maribel's true power is, mm. is yes. loving others as they are and, mm-hmm. and allowing them to see that that's enough. And that you know, to me I is think it takes then It is. It takes that mirabel in all of us to say, I don't have a power or anything else, but I can be the glue. Like I can, yes. I can mm-hmm. still do something. And because of the fact that she didn't have what the others had, she had to think outside the box. She had to yes. do things that they all wouldn't necessarily do because she didn't have what they had. So mm-hmm. sometimes those people in the family that feel like they don't have a gift, that gift is about to be revealed to them because they have something the others, it's not as obvious, you know, well, as I the love- others have. I love the stated point that we're more than our gifts. So even if, yes. you know, you can make flowers and you have this perfection or or you're incredibly strong and can carry everything. It's like, yes, that is. But that's not the totality of who you are, yes. right? It might not even be the best part of who you are. You know what I mean? Even though it's this incredible <laughs> thing, you know? And so it's it's really it's a beautiful message that um, that that kind of gets gets us to consider that we're more than what we do or more than this talent that people. You're see more than just your gifts. Like I love yeah, that line. I love that that line. Yeah. When I got sick and I uh, I was really I didn't think I was gonna make it out of it. So this is I a really big will. deal. You you oh should slow goodness. this down because this is a really big deal. So like when Odessa came into our community, she. Um, she got really like deathly ill, like almost died. And uh, so this is a really, this is really significant. I just wanted to, I wanted to point that out. That's how I think I, our family is bonded in those moments. Like it, I think that's why we have such a tight knit like relationship with the Morgans because, oh my goodness, Nicola was amazing. Sometimes she would take the kids, especially my five-year-old that she didn't understand what was going on. And all my life I've lived dependent, like, like everybody in Encanto, you know, of their gifts. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. music is the thing that I have, like singing is my gift. That's what I do. And I'm also a parent and I'm a loving mother or whatever. But when that happened and everything was stripped away from me, I could no longer sing. I couldn't even hold my kid. I couldn't cook. I was dropping dishes. I couldn't stand and talk 
at the same time. Like if wow. I had to speak, I had to sit and stay very, very still so that I can whisper whatever it is that I needed to say. Like I, I had to speak like, hi, yes, thank you so much. And then I would have to get up and walk very like quietly. practicing for your, your role. And I didn't know. I really didn't know it because that's where it went. But what I understood in that moment, when I was stripped yeah. of my gifts, when I was stripped of my talents, when it came down to the core of I'm what a matters. completely unfunctional person, my husband was like, I'll take you whatever way I get you. And there were oh. moments that I would just completely paralyze. And my husband would have to take me out from the shower naked and place me on the bed, wrap me up in towels and just wait until I would start moving my toes again. And it happened many times and I would cry, which would make it worse. And, uh, and so then I would start stuttering and he was just so loving and kind. And we've been married almost 25 years, but the amount of love and compassion that he showed me as, as my husband, it was, it was beyond what I could have ever imagined. I never thought at my age, I would be going through a situation like this. I thought, you know, that happens when you're 80 something you know it's so cool too old. it's so cool too because you can see wow. the strength that it gave you of character to really dive into who you really are right i love that idea that you're, you're like yeah i lost my i, I mean I, I can't even move let alone sing so who am i what matters and that you and your husband had this affirmation of your love for each other right. and gabe it shows really his was. true colors you know and, and what an incredible you know and he always husband. has been like incredible yes dad right but it comes through right husband. it becomes confirmed I... in this undeniable way right which is really cool because now it's the foundation and, and you have these incredible blessings and and cool things that and are then we have incredible friendships because yeah. so many people that Absolutely. were there during those moments were just instrumental to helping mm -hmm. us get through it because mm -hmm. my parents we had to fly them in but during that time that i didn't have anybody it was mm -hmm. a, it was my community it was yeah, this we amazing community we have an incredible like, community of people yeah. it's incredible and how people would bring meals they would take the kids i mean people that i didn't even know because i had just moved in mm -hmm. covid shut everything down we weren't mm -hmm. going out and yet mm -hmm. it was like they automatically were like let's do this let's do this and i was meeting people in this situation of my weakest, most down point. And they were like, we don't know you, but we love you. Don't worry mm -hmm. about it. Your kids are going to be fine. And it was about three weeks of intensity. And then as I started recuperating was when I got the call back that I got the that's, role and that was crazy. it. And, and then my husband looked at me and like, he was like, oh no. he put the, his hand over the phone. And he was like, we need to tell him you can't take this. Like you're barely starting to be functional. Get on your feet, I was like, right? You yeah, call him if I'm right. dead. <laughs> I'm going to show up. And it took me about three. We had about three weeks until we started recording. And it was a miracle. That's all that's, I can call that's it. That's crazy. It was a miracle to go from going from the bed to the kitchen. And I was like, that's, I just got to make it to the kitchen. Talking. That was yeah. my first like exercises to being with Lin-Manuel Miranda and feeling like a tiger and seizing the moment and wrapping my heart out. And that's, that's so the, cool. that's the take you see on yeah. TikTok, which oh, was that so one cool. first take. So yeah, that well, was it. It was intense. One of the beautiful things about, about this experience is, you know, it's dark and it's painful and, and, you know, feeling as if you're going to die. So <clears throat> you look back on that and the things that come to your mind, the things that you talk about involve uh, love and acceptance yeah and connection. And that's what got you through those dark moments. And I think for each of us, uh, trying to remember 
that it's connection and love that help us survive life and those down yes. moments and, and, you know, having people beside us, but, but I think, and just to kind of go back to the town, helping uh, the family, it, it's really, uh, I think true that oftentimes when someone might be uh, a giver, right. They they're constantly serving others it's really hard to accept help. Oh. And I think, I think that's just as important as loving and, and being accepting of others is being willing to accept that in return because that full, can heal us and make yeah, us whole. The, the full loop can't be realized, right? Like if you yeah. can be a wonderful giver, but you can't be, uh, then you haven't completed, you know, an understanding yeah. of what it's all about, right? It's yeah. like, it doesn't, you know, so yeah, that's a, that's a great, and it's no, hard that's to exactly sometimes. it. It's hard to accept. It, and, and honestly, it, I never had, not really, like a little mm-hmm. thing here and there, but until this moment, I was humbled into yeah. acceptance of other people's generosity and their time and their love. And I am forever bound to these people that now are my friends because now I know them, you know, now we <laughs> hang out and it's regular, like it's cool. Regular like life. birthday parties and stuff and yeah. uh, beatrice's birthday party was awesome they're playing was so like, I, was like, I saw some videos there. well it's so funny and honestly she got i don't know if it was you that gave it to her but she got uh like a complete set of like these miniatures of of the encanto uh Aww. cast or whatever and seriously dolores is like one of her favorite ones that she's always got around her as she's uh when we play that's awesome that so, so, so those yeah, listening <laughs> beatrice is john's youngest yeah, she's my youngest. She's the same one that's the age as Jasmine. They're close friends. They're both they're five uh, years old. They're they both, both tornadoes. Their... They're tornadoes oh my that, that they're bounce off of vibes. each other. There's it's no incredible. They years. they need each other. They absolutely need each other because they're both incredibly powerful and unruly. And so them having to yes. bounce off of each other and negotiate is the best thing for both of them. It really so is. They're both I love you so it. much right now. Don't hang out with me. And, it's, <laughs> and they still get back together and they're loving. That's crazy. And they're like, they're <laughs> they're fireworks when they're together <laughs> they really really are oh it man i i'm just so glad to have spent this time with you Thank guys you so yeah much. your time is it short was so much Thank fun you so much it was a blast thanks for sharing your story and good luck i hope uh i hope all the fun keeps happening with you and more and more opportunities yes. but thanks Thank again. you Adessa. you know one thing that was really revealing throughout this whole experience is when i was in that moment i noticed what was truly important and it was when my house crumbled yeah i noticed that love was what everything was built upon. And when I rebuild from the ground up again on love, my priorities adjusted. So now I'm not willing to take things that are not aligning with my principles. I'm not willing to uh, go on tour every single week weekend, even though right now, obviously the offers are coming in and it's crazy, but I always tell them like birthdays, Christmas, my kids' birthdays, you know, there's a month, a week, every month that I'm not going to tour at all because I understand that the house is built upon that love and yeah. I do not want to see it crumble ever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it took this dramatic moment in my life to recognize where the true value lies. And now I'm happier than ever. And I get to do what I love and I get to awesome. go out there on comic cons and, and tour. Awesome. But at the same time, I never forget my why, why mm. I'm doing it for it. And it is for my family. And that's where the basis of everything is for me. And just like this film Encanto, they had to see everything crumble to rebuild it based on the love of the family. 
Mm, Thank you so well much. Stated. I just have to Thanks say so my daughters were so excited when they heard you were coming on. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. So then well, let me leave them a little everything. song. Oh, this please. is for your daughters that then. Would be okay. Amazing. All right. And then they can sing along. Hey, Buddha living fear, Buddha stuttering or stumbling. I could always hear him sort of muttering and mumbling. I associate him with the sound of falling sand. It's a heavy lift with the gift so humbling. Always lift up well and the family fumbling. Grappling with prophecies they couldn't understand. Do you understand? Mm, that's <laughs> awesome. Thank that's you so, awesome, so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Appreciate you. Take care. Thanks all. Bye.